Hello. Hi, and welcome to a shush. Shh. I'm, I'm watching, watching a, a movie. movie. The Minnesota. This is a mini. Yeah. This the is minis- a mini miniature episode. Or miniature. A smaller. Yeah. Less work on my part. I love it. Big fan. Big fan. Alex, you should still give it a listen over because once you left in me talking about Vanderpump rules when we did a Minnesota for like the last oh, really? like eight minutes. And then I had stopped recording. <laughs> You had stopped recording, so it's just me on my end. I'd be like, oh, shit, and then, like, literally, like, eight minutes, and I go, like, oh, no, I'm, I'm in, okay, and then just, but I literally mm-hmm. was talking, it was right in the heart of, like, the summer, Black Lives Matter movement was going on. It was it was a real politically tense time, as it always is, um, and I was talking about how I love the Vanderpump rules, but they're all, like, known racists to the point where they were fired. And uh, I kept saying what a bad person I am for watching it, but you didn't like hear the other side of the conversation. So it's a real <laughs> collateral move on <laughs> Nexium collateral. Anyways, um, we're doing uh, movies and TV shows that we've watched over this past, I'd say for me personally, like two weeks. Yeah. The amount yeah. of, of media that I've taken in since December 1st is appalling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's only going to get worse. Like no one's going to be... You know, like, it's, it's not, you're not going to watch less media coming up. Oh, no, no. And, like, uh, people are film. They've been filming since the summer. Thank fucking God. So there will be new stuff happening. It's going to be less new stuff. You know? Yeah, I know. It will be shorter episodes. Like, Euphoria is only releasing two episodes. And... Anyways, um, we are doing a lot. We're doing we're doing mm-hmm. a lot of content, so we should just like we should we should get let's get in get on into. it. Uh, these are, this is content that either is a TV show or something that we don't have enough thoughts to fill a whole episode with, <laughs> or something that I, I thought Alex would watch but he didn't, and vice versa. Um, yep. We'll start with something that we both watched. Uh, I have no idea how you feel about this. Mank. Yep. We watched the Netflix. Yes. David Fincher movie Mank that feels Mank. like it should have come out in theaters if theaters were a thing. Oh yeah, it's I I, I guarantee you they do like an uncut gems or a, a, a what was the other Netflix produced Roma. Roma whatever yeah where they like put it out in theaters for like a month and then it was on Netflix. I think that was it, it's it's Oscar bait like it's a hundred percent trying oh, to be. It's so Oscar bait and like in terms of Oscars, what I think it, it I mean who knows what anything's going to be this year like i guess the golden globes aren't happening i thought i thought the oscars weren't happening either i heard they were i heard that they are oh yeah yeah, yeah. they're just they just changed their rules you're allowed to be on tv basically you're allowed to nominate tv movies um but the cinematography like the photography the, the color mm-hmm. of the actual like it's a black and white movie mm-hmm. is so beautiful and it's stupid that i watched it on my laptop <laughs> um, I like the cinematography is really good. I think I wish that they kind of did like what they did with the lighthouse, where like they shot it with black and white cameras. I still haven't seen the, the lighthouse. Oh, we gotta do it. You have to force me. Um, uh, uh, where they shot with like uh, they shot the light with black and white cameras, and I think it shows. Like whereas with this, when when you like digitally make it black and white, um, it got it, get, it gets a little bit like blurry in ways, and like it, the the depth is and the depth and contrast isn't the way that it looks in a black and white film. And I, I, uh, that being said, I, I think it's very pretty. I, it's pretty. The reason I want, and, and the, the reason I wanted is, to, I think watch, is a pur- on purpose. Yeah. I think a lot of like, out of all the digital black and white movies I've seen, this is definitely the, the one closest to looking like a old timey black and white movie. Uh, I, I, I realized that we, I, I, I have a feeling when I told you to watch it, I knew what you were going to, you weren't going to like it. I had a feeling oh, you weren't going to like it. I have so many, <laughs> it's so confusing I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm also, I was going to say, say that I don't, I don't think I liked it. I don't. It's really uh, hard but, to like a movie like this with yeah. all that we know as audiences. I, I find like someone like Gary Oldman's performance. What am mm. I going to sit here and not say that it's an amazing performance? Of course, it's, it's an amazing performance. He's an amazing yeah. actor. This, the word, the dialogue is amazing. 
but it's to me it's very shallow like there's nothing to hook on to i don't care and boy oh boy if anyone could make a film with more themes that i don't give a fuck about it is this movie (laughs) save for the political stuff i i kind of like that yeah that part so like the reason why i was like i I wanted you to watch it and i wanted to talk about it was that is like i went into it being like like I'll watch a David Fincher movie. I'll watch a bad David Fincher movie. Like I don't like. I think he's a very, he's always he's always interesting. You know, yeah. Like, you, like even like even if you watch like like Benjamin Button, I think would be the only movie I would put worse in his in like in the catalog of like what I enjoyed and didn't enjoy. That David Fincher, Benjamin Button's probably the only movie I would put below Mank. Um, but even then, it's interesting. Like even then, like Benjamin Button's an interesting movie. Um, but the I reason like why ben- reason I, I mean, to- Benjamin Buttons, I've only, I only saw it once, but I don't remember. I didn't yeah. hate it. I remember thinking it was absurd, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, and I think I think with Mank, like the stuff I really liked from it, I think it's got a very interesting script from his deceased father. But I think it needed like a little bit a little bit of juice to his make it work. And dad, then you, are, wait, David Fincher's yeah. dad wrote this. David Fincher's dad retired from being a journalist and then wanted to write a movie. And Fincher was like, "We'll write something that you'd want to see, and 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 we'll look oh, into that it." That makes he, so much sense. And then it's then this is the script that came out. Um, I assume there was like other drafts that Fincher did and whatnot, or other writers did. But his dad is the sole credited writer on it, and is now dead. And he's been trying to. It's been like he wanted to make it for the last ten years, kind of thing. And he I should think have made it ten years much, ago. He, it should have come out the, oh, the yeah. time of the artist. Oh yeah, yeah. Continue. I think I I think that if he uh, had, I I don't know, man. I I just watching it, I was like, oh, there's like in the core, like a very interesting question that that it, when it was written, whenever it was written, was not as in the forefront of our political mind about media and um, poli- the intersection of media and politics and money and all those things, and the fact that. The fact that my knowledge of Citizen Kane wasn't super helpful in this movie, but my knowledge of Upton St. Clair was extremely helpful to help me up understand the movie okay. is, uh, I think, very interesting. Um, so that's, but that's like, a big issue that I had with it, is yeah. um, I have knowledge of neither of those things, and it never really... <laughs> like, I know, I know yeah, about... It does not hold your hand. No, it does not hold so your like hand. So, like, I know about Hearst. I know about, what's his name, yeah. Louis B. Mayer. I know, yeah. like, these are all names I know, but I have no, like, knowledge beyond that. And yeah, I knew and it that doesn't Louis hold B. Mayer... I watched a movie, and I'm pretty sure he was, like, the Russian mob. Or, like, MGM was involved <laughs> with the mus- Russian mob, and they just, like, didn't talk about that. Anyways. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot. Like, old Hollywood is a very fascinating, interesting intersection of money and power and politics and all those things. So it makes sense. This is there. I think like the most telling scene that was like, Oh, this movie's going to be more interesting than I thought is when they, um, when Mank, uh, is, show, is introducing his brother to Louis B. Mayer and they're walking and talking. And then he's just like, I gotta do this thing real quick. And then goes and tells all the staff they're losing half their pay. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, and they, and then they applaud him for it. And then like, yeah, I know. and like, them backstage are like, yeah, this is like I've seen more desperate people do less kind of thing. That, and, okay, so that must be modern. That part I feel um, anything to do with like the Republicans versus the Democrats. That all feels very of like the last two years. Well, that, that's why I think was very interesting about the like I I, I was Upton St. Clair is a weird figure of that he gets like decimated in that election. But what that election was more was he was playing the old game of politics and the Republicans were playing the new game of politics. Which is lying. Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and Upton St. Clair was also like like a 1930s Depression era socialist. Like he was um, what he what he, he he makes Bernie like he he's the political figure that like would be like Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, you know? Oh, yeah, I know. Um, and the way that they announced that he's lost, it's like, uh, is it, boy? what do they call him, like, Bolshev? I can't say the word. They, a Bolshevik. They, Bolshevik Russian, yeah. St. Clair, yeah. or a good Republican, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think all that stuff's really interesting, and I think that was more, 
the stuff that definitely interested David Fincher in the movie. And I think there's also stuff that interested his dad, but they were kind of tied to these two things that I think make it very hard to watch, which is that it's very, obviously very concerned with the making of Citizen Kane, something that I don't think anyone involved creatively but, really so cared about. And also very about making of Citizen yeah, Kane, yeah, yeah. not the making of it. It's, no, as if, no. it's as if someone would film me and you brainstorming about something. I mean, we release a lot of podcasts of us brainstorming sequels yeah, to yeah, movies yeah, yeah. that we'll never like make. That, that's like we're gonna write. That's different. My best friend mm-hmm. writing too, and we're gonna write Notting Hill. I'm really excited to write Notting Hill too. Notting Hill too. <laughs> it honestly feels more fun now than my best friend's divorce. Well, like, Notting Hill too is very. Div- it's harder to do both in best friend's divorce is way harder. <laughs> best friend's divorce is way harder. Um, at a point. Oh, the the other thing, the other thing it tied itself, which is like, yeah, it tied itself to the talking about making a movie, which is really hard to dramatize and really hard to make interesting, and and it has to do a lot of work to make that happen. Where the meat of the movie, to me, is the Upton St. Clair, his relationship to the uh, uh, Manx con, con, uh, conflict, inner conflict of being like I'm making effectively the world a worse place. I'm part of this machine making the world a worse place. Yeah, and I know that that was and successful. against my politics. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was really successful at that. And I liked th- yeah. those. That was the best parts was like, it, it's kind of like this guy who's kind of like a shithead anyways, but he has the right kind of politics. And so you yeah. kind of like feel for him. That's the only, yeah. that's the only thing you feel for him. Um, what I found, which is on by design. Like, I, I, I like that's what I liked about it. I like the I whole thing it's of by like design. Otherwise, well, what well, are I mean, we doing here? <laughs> why would you, why would you include the, the scene where it's like the, what do you call it? The, the like nurse is mad at him. And it's being like, you got to stop. And like to the, to the, uh, 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 the secretary, to the nurse, like you got to stop giving him alcohol. Why do you do whatever he says? And it's like, cause he freed my family. Like I'll do whatever he wants. It's like the reason yeah. that scene's included is to be like, yeah, he's an asshole, but he's like, he cares about people. Like he, like he, and, and, and the people who you in theory are like the slick talking, like the, 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 the B mares, the hearse, the even the mistress that Amanda Sinfrey plays is like they don't care about people. I'm sorry. They care about themselves. Is she a mistress? Yeah. So that that's that's you got to know shit about Elton St. Clair. And, they just and have nice Hearst conversations with each other. No, 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 no. She's the mistress of um, Oh, of Hearst. Hearst. Yeah, and and yes, her yes, and yes, 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 yes. Okay, her. but I okay. So I misread. And I thought yeah. I was waiting for it have an affair with Gary Oldman. And I was like, you know what? I really don't feel like watching that. And then I was like, oh, they're just having nice conversations. Yeah. And I think you could, and like the, the, his wife will talk about, his wife talks about, I'm, st- I'm tired of being called. So, poor Sally. Yeah. Poor Sally. Oh, poor Sarah. Like, poor Sarah. Yeah. But yeah. And it's like, he's not, it's like, but he's not having an affair. He's having these emotional affairs. Like he's someone who cares about people so deeply it kind of hurts him as like the character they're drawing, which I like. Like, I, I like that story. The I, I, problem, again, yeah, keep going. No, no, I'm going to pull the, I'm going to just, see, I hate when I have this opinion on movies because it's kind of like, I'm not critiquing the movie itself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about an that, alcoholic man. I don't give a shit about any of those people how flippant he was with money and the depression, how he is a shitty guy, but at the at deep down, he has a good heart. I think I've hit, I think a lot <laughs> of women have hit their limit. And and my dif- the difference would be like if we were watching these stories and, and men evolved over the years, but men are not evolving. No one's evolving. We're just supposed to catch the signs of them being empathetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm bored. It's boring. And it's, and, and all the women were, um, exasperated wives or yep. like, um, caricatures. Like I read an article saying Amanda Siegfried get ready for her Oscar. Are you fucking kidding fucking me? That character? Si- okay, sure. All right, whatever. But, but it's not yeah. even a slight against her as an actor. In what no, way is that person supposed to win an Academy Award with that writing? And I'm so I'm yeah, so yeah. not surprised that a journalist wrote this movie because it literally is two people sitting and yeah. talking and and like and like you get to know the politics and like the environment, but you have no idea who the people yeah. are. Yes. So that, so that, that is the, uh, that's the other thing that I think 
the, the other thing in this movie that ties itself to that much to its detriment is the formalist style of the 1940s movie if that that it yeah. leads to a lot of those two people talking scenes it leads to the very slow dissolves it, it it leads to like a story of an alcoholic man is like fits the mold man like it like it fits it and i i again like i think the story is i i I've, i disagree with you slightly on being like i think i think there are space for those stories but i think um I don't think this one's interesting enough to, to, how many to of do those it. Stories can we watch? How many of those stories? Can how we many watch? story? How many stories can you watch of a fucking hero saving the day? I don't know, man. There's so, hundreds of stories. All stories are kind of the yeah, same. But those movies point. don't get respect. Like, this is what I mean. Like a hero saving the day, a rom-com, all that stuff that is considered trash, but somehow like this stuff, we're always supposed to like, it's like, we're supposed to like pay attention to and give awards. Oh yeah, to. no, no, that, no, no, no. And that's this is trash. This is I, I, I stand by that this is trash. But I don't think I think I think something being trash doesn't take away its value. No, but I and I also don't think that what I'm saying is a criticism because it's it's no. not it's not a criticism of the movie. It's like my bias coming to it. But at the end, it's of a criticism the- of culture. It is culture. And I think that David Fincher should be embarrassed that this is the type of work. Sorry. I know that it's a love letter to his dad yeah. that he's that he's putting out in 2020. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that it's an all white cast, that it's all white males of 40 years old. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And I know that that's the like there's nothing you're going to do that. That's the story. But it's like a Netflix. That's embarrassing that you gave money to that. You. Yeah, no, no, I, I, like, I don't disagree. I, I, I think embarrassing is the wrong word, but I agree with the sentiment. Uh, it just like, David I, I Fincher, you want to make this movie? Fund it yourself. I, I think, I think the reason this is on Netflix is effectively fund it yourself. No, I think no, the David Fincher Netflix, signed like a four hundred million dollar deal with Netflix like five years ago. Yeah, 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 to make TV, Mindhunter. and he wanted to make, he wanted to make movies. He doesn't like making TV. He's talked about it. And so that he's, so this is, I'm sure this is the like, you know, you know, like the, 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 what's it? Christopher Nolan would do a Batman to do his inception. <laughs> the same this movie. Is, Continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but this is, this is the, this is, this is him doing the Mindhunter. Yeah. So he can do, so he can do the Mindhunter is. Mindhunter is great. I love Mindhunter. I love Mindhunter. Um, I, think, I love Mindhunter, and, and you know, you know, you know what? Here, here's what I'll say about yeah, Mindhunter. Is, mm. Even though, even though, like, yes, there is a a I would a female character with a with a lot of stuff going on in it, especially as the Who, show Amanda goes on. No, no, in Mindhunter. Oh, okay. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> no, but the majority of Mindhunter is a bunch of forty year old white men sitting around talking. Yeah, but um, at least but, in the but second but season, it's about it's about so much more. And I think like also, Mank is trying to be about so much more. Are white? Men. Yeah, yeah. And that shows a show about psychopaths. Yeah, yeah. I no. I, I think. I. I mean, this is a show about screenwriters in the forties. They're all white. Yeah, men. I know. I know. I know. I can't. I can't. I. I. I understand no, no, no. that, and I know. And I know yeah, yeah, yeah. what I'm saying is not a criticism of the. Sorry, actual I'll, I'll, I'll let it. I'll let now it that being said, my uncle called my mom. Yeah. He lives in Paris. He's a. He's seventy three. He was an actor of the of the bygone era, and he called yeah. my mom just to tell her about Mank. Like he had to tell yeah. her. That's who this movie's for. Yeah. And he loves it. And when Gary Oldman is drunk at the end doing his long speech. Yeah. Where he says the plot of Citizen Kane to make fun of. Which honestly is really good. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, no, my here, uncle. Here's, that yeah. is my uncle. Like he yeah. would do that voice. He would do that thing. Um, and also I've never seen Citizen Kane. I didn't know that it was... Um, what do you call it? Uh, oh no, the name escapes me. Blood, Blood Brothersman? No, the um, the windmills. Don Quixote. I didn't know oh, it was a. Thing. Oh, Don Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is sorta. I mean, I, I, it's been said multiple times as Don Quixote. I disagree that it's like I think that's the starting point, and then becomes about much more than that or becomes about slightly different i think it's like I, you, you know you're saying like these types of movies get respect and these types of movies don't is like citizen kane is one of the movies that like gets respect obviously but, but also like, created a lot of stuff yeah it created a lot of Boom stuff and mics. i think like the i think i think i think everyone looking for different uh it because it's got so much respect everyone's just kind of turning it and turning it and turning it and turning it so i i believe that the screenwriters were like it's don quixote i think you watch it without that i don't know if you pick it up on it 
Um, I mean, but, did I walk out of a Stratford production of Don Quixote because I couldn't hear him say, oh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the girl's name. I couldn't stand the white actor playing Don Quixote and saying the Spanish names. I couldn't take it. It was like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> and so in intermission, in intermission, he had already sang I drew, um, The Impossible Dream. And I was like, oh, that's the only song I know. I got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't watch him. Say Dos, Dosana or whatever the fuck her name is. I can't hear him. Put yeah. your... I gotta the, watch this. Uh, I gotta watch this Citizen Kane. I think I'll find it boring, but I also think I'll, I'll like the story once I get through it. Well, that, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, at the core of Mank, I really like the story about Upton Sinclair and about power and about money and media. I think it's a really good story, and I see a much more interesting movie than the one they made. But they tied themselves to the cult of Citizen Kane, to the cult of Hollywood, to would, this 1940s formalism to yeah, and like and like also also like, also if you if you've watched Citizen Kane like so many of the shots in the movies are clearly mirroring Citizen Kane shots of like that that are like famous Citizen Kane shots like it's being mirrored in the movie that I'm like but I'm like it's just so in the way for a well, lot of it I mean that David Fincher needed his dad to be proud of him we yeah. watched that's nice I guess you it, know what I think yeah, my it, major issue with this too is I I'm starting to think. I think I, the, David Fincher, the person, I don't know if I like him. <laughs> I don't think I like him either as a person. I like him as a filmmaker a lot. You know what? I also, I was, uh, I rewatched Fight Club at the beginning of Pandemic. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I didn't like it. Really? I, I didn't like it. I, I, I thought that the, the story was really, really stupid. <laughs> and I couldn't yes. get past how stupid everyone was and it and, I, and and it was held with such reverence because like how old were we i think i was in grade I mean, eight when it came out yeah 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 and so like it my high school experience was boys watching scarface and like fight club yeah i i think <sighs> i think you being like it's held with such reverence i think it it is a very silly movie and the plot's very silly and by being very silly it's talking about it's, it's talking about the kind of people that you that held it in reverence like it's it's yeah fight club's such a weird movie and like the people who i said 90 percent of the people who really love it i wonder if we all watch the same movie because it seems to spend a lot of time making fun of them but i but it truly i just think it's like they turn it off it's with 30 that wolf minutes of left. wall street thing too yeah right? yeah it's very wolf yeah i think i those two movies operate very similar to me in it's very similar as far as i'm concerned i mean yeah, it's hard, you know, and, and like I'll read stuff about like Zodiac and how like he basically said like Jake Gyllenhaal didn't do a good job because he wasn't present in the scenes because he demanded so much of him and they would do like 80 yeah. takes, 90 takes and all that stuff. And and um, I just don't even know if the 90 takes. I yeah. don't know. I don't think you're getting anything good after after 20 takes. I I Unless agree. Unless the scene is to be emotionally exhausted. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I get what he's getting out of being like they even get like he's like going past the emotionally exhausted point and being like everything just feels naturally. You know, but I I don't pick up on it. I maybe he does. I, I don't, don't pick up on it in in his movies. I pick up on it on Kubrick <laughs> movies. I think uh, yeah, that's true. That's Stanley true. Stanley Kubrick when he does it, I see it and I feel it. I don't agree with it. But, no. like, The Shining is my favorite movie. So it's, like, that poor woman, Shelley Duvall. And that is a movie about, like, a man. You know, there's so many uh, things. Maybe they, yeah, maybe that's my issue. Is that, like, I hear this stuff about Fincher. And when I watch his movies, I think they are good. But they are no Kubrick. They're not even Scorsese yeah. to me. No, so, no. Well, Scor- Scorsese operates so differently than Fitch. Like yeah, Scorsese is such an emotional filmmaker. Scorsese is the most Italian filmmaker. Yeah, I love Somehow him. those films, some of those films talk with their hands. I don't know how. Like, <laughs> like arms come out of the side of the TV, and he's yeah. Gangs of New York was made for money, but like arms <laughs> go to the side of the TV, and they're just like, hey, oh, watch out, taxi driver. Like, <laughs> I love it. Anyways, I don't know. At the end of the day, I think it, I was most angry because I read this article about. Amanda Siegfried um, gonna get an Academy Award, and I was like sitting there being like, "That can't be true." Now, will Gary Oldman, if, if Academy Awards exist, will he get nominated? I think so. I think so. I, yeah. I think he'll definitely get nominated. I don't know if he'll win, but I think he'll definitely get nominated. I, I never watched The Darkest Hour. I also hear 
Hawkeye's time that he is Hawk a Oz. brutal alcoholic. He looks it. I mean, he's mean. You don't get a face he shape seems... like that <laughs> well, without drinking. Know. He seems mean, but that could just be me judging. Also, oh, my favorite story about Gary Oldman is when, when we were kids, we went to Italy for the first time. We met all our mm. cousins. Our cousins in Italy are great. They're such a party. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I can't remember. It was like dinner one night and like I'm 10, my sister's 12 mm. and our cousin's like 13. And this is in the mid nineties. Uh, I'd say like, well, like 98. Yeah. 99. And uh, we're talking about like celebrities that we liked. And this was the height of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. So we're always talking yeah. about Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, blah, blah, blah. And then my cousin goes, oh, you know who I love? Getty Oldman. Oh, Gary Oldman. We love Gary Oldman. And everyone at the table was like, yeah, we love Gary Oldman. What a weird... We were like, what? Is Gary Oldman a teen sex symbol in small town Italy? (laughs) No, they just loved his acting choices. They're like, he's a strong, strong presence on film. What was he in? Like, The Professional... Like, Fifth oh, like, element. Le- like, like, what would she have seen him in? That she's like, like the Luke Basson stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it would have been the, it would have been the pro- professional. I mean, like, pro- like the professional. If you're like a teen, young teen girl, and you idolize Gary Oldman, it's like you being like, oh, like I want to fuck an older man. Like that is the kind of undercurrent of the professional. If you think about it, <laughs> I know that's a. And not even think about it. You watch it. What am I saying? Think about it. I mean, the thing about the professional is um, Jean Renault. You can't now love that man. He's so lovable. Do I think a 13 year old should love him? No. No. I think she's 13. (laughs) I think she's like 11. Now, the next movie Natalie Portman did was called Beautiful Girls. Uh, Mm. And it's, I want to say it's Ed Burns, but I could be wrong. Definitely wrong. Anyways, it's like one of those like indie 90s movies that like a director, writer, like white guy was really popular mm. at the time kind of thing. And I was listening to my favorite podcast, which is just this podcast, uh, Rewatchables. And they were talking <laughs> about like recasting something and someone was like, you know who would have been good? It was Natalie Portman. And then the guy stops the podcast and like, you know what we need to talk about? Remember that movie Beautiful Girls where we just accepted that a 35-year-old guy fell in love with his 13-year-old neighbor and we were cool with it? And, like, <laughs> and he goes, that is a wrong movie. And then everyone's like, okay, calm down. He's like, no, it's just really wrong. Did, <laughs> I, did I tell you about uh, I when I was like a teen, like an early teen and like you discover like film, you discover Kubrick and, and like when you're an early teen, nothing's better than Kubrick. Like I know, right? You know, like, it's and so then good. so I was like, so I was watching all the Kubrick movies and I rented Lolita oh. and I didn't know anything about it. I'm just like, it just said Stanley Kubrick on the cover. I'm like, it's gotta be interesting. Your parents and like... <laughs> no, my dad was just like, why the fuck did you rent Lolita? I'm like, <laughs> like just like very like mad and concerned and found it kind of funny. And I'm like, Oh, I just, I really liked full metal jacket. So I thought maybe, <laughs> and then my dad's like, that, that's the only correct answer to why you rented Lolita. It's like, I didn't know. Was and I good? like Stanley Kubrick. I mean, it's Kubrick. I never like, saw it. Yeah, I I think it's you know what you know what? I take that back. I think it, I think it was definitely maybe a little young to understand it, so I, I can't give it a good thing. I was kind of, I think I was mostly confused by it, and I found it a little slow and small for a movie. I don't think it, I think it's one of his like worst movies. I think like critically speaking. I mean, I not- I would have I would have a hard time trusting any critical analysis of Lolita because. Like, it, it's going to make you emotional to watch it, you know? Like, it's yeah, going I guess to... so. And then the HBO had to remake it in the 90s with Gabriel Byrne. They had oh, to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where else that's would how, That's be? how I found out about Lolita, having TMN as a teen. Imagine being... Well, that was the 90s. The 90s was thinking yeah. that we were so far... Like, we were, we were post-racist, post-sexist, all this stuff. And then the most sexist, heinous things were created in the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, no American Beauty could only exist in the '90s. Like, it's not like definitely like not the most sexist, heinous thing that I'm I mean, talking about, but like it is yeah. like you know. American Beauty is fascinating though, even though it's it's Kevin Spacey and it's chilling. But Alan Ball, like, 
he's yeah. such a little freak, right? Then he went on to, to do True Blood and like Six Feet Under. Like yeah. he has that in him. Like True Blood, what a little freak that Alan Ball is. <laughs> um, there's something about that movie is perverse. Like that's its whole, its whole thing. So the fact that yeah. the lead character that we are going along with does something perverse is like, well, the theme of American Beauty is America is perverse. Yeah, but it's so stupid. <laughs> like, you don't talk stupid movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did I think it was one of the best movies I ever saw in my life when it came out? Yeah. Yeah, because you were a teen. Like, I don't even not even I a, teen. a teen. Really, yeah, you were like, like 12. I was 11 when it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. American Beauty is a movie for children. I'm going to stand behind yeah, that. Yeah, can we talk about. Okay, we need to move on, actually. But a lot of movies that did extremely, like, critically well and won awards that were like of contemporary like I was a teenager or I was a literal child yeah. uh, adults also enjoyed and it's like was I as smart as an adult as an 11 year old like how did adults watch American Beauty and see like the the bag part and not say like that's fucking dumb we're <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to yeah, think yeah. What else. like the only movie that really holds up is something like Jurassic Park but like Jurassic Park is like for kids. I, I, the, yeah, Jurassic Park is for kids, and I think watching it as an adult, you kind of like, it's like fun, you know, it's like popcorn, it's you know, best. you're like, it's the best um, uh, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't know, I, I was thinking, <laughs> I think about that we watching, mature, uh, movies mature with us, <laughs> yeah, can I actually, yeah, this is, a, this is a good segue into, um, because I, I find that now where I'm like, watching movies and watching TV shows where I'm like, Oh, this isn't for me. It's it's for someone younger than me. It's for someone oh, yeah. like, uh, yeah. And then, but except for How to with John Wilson, which seems oh, almost yeah. custom made to entertain uh, 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 me, which is a thing I told you to watch. And I've watched all of it. It's I think it's my new favorite. Like like it's a TV show that I watched. And I was like, this is maybe the best TV show I've watched in like ten years. To call it's... it TV is a little reductive. To call it a documentary is a little reductive. It's just like a sliver of actual life reinterpreted and reconstructed into something new i love it it's so I beautiful love it so much but i know that you say that it's it's for you but i the entire yeah. time i was watching it i was like i gotta show my mom my mom's really gonna like this yes like there, there's something about it that i see all ages responding it, right. to when, when, I, when i say it's for me i don't mean like like how could anyone else like this i mean like oh like something like is designed that hits the things I like in media. No, totally. You know? But I feel like even like Nathan for you, which is like Nathan Fielder produces yeah. it. Nathan for you, I wouldn't show to my mom because all I would get w would be a barrage of questions. Yes. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. But I know that. Well, okay. So how to with John Wilson? I only saw the first two episodes. I really, really liked it. It make it could make you cry almost. Yeah, I think I think. Um, the first episode is like the one where I was like, oh, and like it, the first episode is emotionally devastating. The other ones are a little more like odd. Oh, yeah. The last episode is the last episode was really, really like you feel it. Um, I mean, I watched it alone in my room and yeah. I laughed out loud a million times. I also oh, it's felt very funny, very seen with that scaffolding episode, because every time I'm in New York, all I do is talk about the scaffolding. <laughs> and when I was in London, there was so much scaffolding, too. And I was like, oh, here we go again. But I like that he explained, like, the law behind it as to why. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think with, with all of it, it's like, I, I don't know. It's tough to explain, but there is, like, so much of your life is kind of unexamined. And then this chooses to examine. And it's like, is it even, it's, okay, one of my favorite movies is a thing that I've, shows you as it's such a beautiful day where it's little like uh, uh stick figures and it's all narrated in second person there's a part in it where he's like he he drops his keys in the counter and he goes oh every time you drop your keys in the counter i forget about it but realistically that is more of my life than the stuff i remember and i think like right like, like i've dropped the keys on my counter and not thought about it more times than I have thought about it. And like, that is more of your life than the big events that you remember and talk about in those big stories. And I think like how to is, is about dropping your keys on the counter. 
and then mm. it's like these keys were manufactured here and blah blah is like that's and i and that's what makes it so fascinating i think that's why it's like you're like oh it applies to everyone because it's about the part of life that is kind of like unexamined i um, think also it's that thing of like <clears throat> if comedians are like philosophers and observers this is like which i disagree most... with but yes <laughs> we are though you don't think we're, comedians we're observers philosophize? we're observers yeah but they're they the dumbest people something and they life. make an opinion on it and then they say it as if it's fact is that not philosophy fine, fine. <laughs> is that not philosophy anyways um this would be like the next um this is like the most modern form of comedy i would say definitely yes i think mean, yeah I, that's and that's why yeah, it's and, sad and, yeah, I, I, yeah. If you're gonna make modern comedy, it's not gonna look like Friends. No, like Friends and, and, makes and me kind of sad, you know. Friends is kind of sad, which is what like if you were to really stop and think about Joey and, and not Joey, sorry, Joey's a great time. Uh, Ross and Chandler. Chandler yeah. is bleak. That's a bleak dude. Anyways, um, but I, I think he's um, he's so funny though. Oh, yes. Like, on top of everything else, like, it's very, like, subtle and all that stuff. But it's not subtle no. like The Office, you know, like the like the UK no. office, where that one, like, I'm sorry, if someone didn't say, by the way, this is a comedy, like, you wouldn't really know it was a comedy. It's so dry. Where this one is, like, I think it's the best of both worlds. It's got, it's got hard jokes in it. Uh, it's, I never quite know what's going to happen. Um it's about it's it's about something that i have a hard time putting my finger on but it's definitely about something and i think all uh levels of understanding would find it enjoyable like i think yes. something like the british comedy like of the office it's kind of making fun of if you're if you're like not getting it it's kind of like talking down to you in a weird way yeah yeah Whereas, no this is like there's not a whole lot to miss with how to with john wilson you know it's no. it's like one person talking and then like often like like one-to-one images of being of like being like sometimes you fall over and then it's like a shot of a traffic cone falling over and sometimes you stand up and it's like a a shot of someone putting a traffic cone up like it's it's very like specific like there's not a whole lot to miss i don't know it's interesting it's also um like the keys in the bowl thing it's about something that's really important but it's also extremely silly yes yeah, and that I don't I don't think I've seen comedy do that in a long in time. In a very long time. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've, like, sec- that's like that's like the point of sketch comedy. I'm like, sec- yeah. sketch comedy has become so like verbatim what happens in real life. There's no silliness to it, or it's so silly that makes you want to shoot silly, your brain. No, <laughs> brain. Yeah, so. yeah, no, that's yeah, that's something. Um, you're talking about my favorite topic now, sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like something that like. I get really like a rub so like hard on is like, I think either get either like, t- like, like expand on these ideas, like expand on what you're seeing. I get so frustrated of watching sketches that are in the living room at a dinner party in the office. Cause like those aren't your real life. Like, like th- those aren't from anything. As, as, right. I think of Skechersons. How, how many, how many people brought in office sketches where the, none of them work in the office? Like I work right. in an office and like, that's not what it's like, man. Like you don't talk yeah. to anybody. Like it's, it's if anything, the very silent the shitty place. Is, we can't do the office anymore though. That's it. We're done. The office has been done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but like, like, no, like, I so, like, you you're talking the to the wrong person. And then, all I would do is do something during the day and then write it and bring it into the sketchers. <laughs> well, no, but like you saying of like, it's either like so verbatim or so silly. And it's like a thing that I always talk about, especially with public works is, we saw we sometimes jokingly called it bleak comedy um, instead of dark comedy of just like oh it's like about life it's about something but like we gotta take it you gotta take it one remove or it's pointless like like we're not we're not interesting I mean, performers we can't sell we can't sell this straight up. This is what's so yeah. Whatever I'm just gonna say it. This is the difference Go between the beaver tin and the onion. <laughs> like the onion okay, yeah. um, is comedy and the beaver tin is just verbatim. And I say this as someone yeah. who wrote for the Beaverton. Yeah, yeah. And I think like you see someone like yeah, and like the the onion fucking goes for it. Like they yeah. don't give a fuck who they offend. I'm sure they get crazy letters. 
I'm sure they get wild if, letters. If you pitch stuff like that in the Onion, you get told. I mean, in the Beaverton, you get told. No. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and it's I mean, like, I. And it's not you're like preaching, you're preaching some... to someone who gets told no about their comedy so often that I create <sighs> the disaster. Like, <laughs> it's not like we're writing for some like corporation no. that's this conglomerate is paying us. This is my oh boy, I'm gonna sound so pompous on this episode. This is my yeah. issue with performing live comedy in Toronto because yeah. technically, performing comedy in Canada, you couldn't be more free to say whatever the fuck you want because nobody yeah. cares. No one's getting paid. This isn't like we work for NBC that is actually, I don't know, they own like fucking weapons in Saudi Arabia. Like this isn't like yeah. that. This is, we are doing comedy for the audience and that's it. And we are behaving as though we are being watched and we're not. So like something like Second mm-hmm. City, they used to be like, oh, well, remember the 905ers are coming in or uh, like cater to the audience. And it'd be like, actually, the audience should be catering to us. Yeah. The audience is so excited to be there and you have the name Second City that they will they will laugh at whatever it is we put up there. So why not make it exactly something that we want to say? I, I I agree with you, and I think the problem is that when I start talking about that, and I think same with you talking about that, you're going to get a bunch of people who hear that and just like, man, these two people really want to say the N word on stage, which is not what we're talking <laughs> no, about, not, not even slightly. Yeah, like, yeah, no. Um, I, no, no, I know, no, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm just saying that, like, I think the people who then really rally behind a like, um, not really free speech was rally behind being like, like unbridled self-expression um uh, uh the people who want unbridled self-expression are then cut off people who are like rallying around quote-unquote free speech where they just want to say hate speech yeah, as comedy no, this and, is not, like, and i hate that so much it's the difference like I, 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 it's the difference like okay so like like chuck lore yeah you know that that guy that guy is too smart to be yeah. writing the way that he's writing. He's going yeah. for the the easiest joke, the most, or maybe not easiest, the most obvious joke. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it feels like we have to do when we're getting paid for comedy in Canada. Mm. Oh boy, maybe you should cut this out. I would like to work again. Whatever, no one listens to this. Um, <laughs> and, and I just don't understand it because we're not NBC. We're not owned. Like, listen, yeah. we can bitch about SNL all we want and say blah, blah, blah. SNL is owned by the most, like, yeah hugest company in the world like we should be on our knees that they're allowed to say the stuff like that is actually yeah. quite lucky that they are allowed to say that, that those actors don't get in trouble that the writers don't get blacklisted we are of a time where that could be yeah um and in canada we don't even kind of have that well Who, i think like yeah. the, the closest comparison would be like something like a british uh the british ecosystem where like they know they know they can kind of say whatever like the, yes they're, they're i i'm i'm heavily they, they obviously obviously there's a lot of like there's obviously the edges of the british system are, are seen and that like there isn't a lot of like far left talk on the british on like in british comedy there isn't a lot of like whatever but they are allowed to create shows about whatever they want and it shows and, and there's a reason that those are exported much more than canadian shows because canadian shows are kind of like these like like now we're the, what are we known for Shit's Creek working moms baroness like we're known to like fill in the warm fuzzies which makes like a show like how to like John Wilson I get so mad and happy and sad when I think about it because it's like like I'm like oh that's like new and interesting and he got to make it because a Canadian person uh, Nathan Fielder uh, would have never been able to do Nathan for you in Canada and that's so stupid oh, I know. because Nathan he, for you he is wants some- so profoundly Canadian you want some you want some inside shit of like okay. the, now now I have now I have to cut out this <laughs> of yeah okay, I'm definitely cutting this out uh is uh, I don't, know. don't say it if you don't uh, want to say no no I'll, I'll cut it I'll cut it out I'll, I'll tell you and cut it out and then I'll I'm trying to think of how I'm gonna get back into it and make it not so mm-hmm. obvious cut something out mm-hmm. of like um because Nathan Fielder pitched to everyone in Canada and couldn't get anything made. And they, everyone loved him and everyone loved what he had, but he couldn't oh, get Oh, I don't made. think you need to, I mean, maybe bleep out person's name, but I don't think you need to cut this out at all. That is a tale as old as time. Kenny versus Spenny. Yeah. They couldn't get it made. So they went and they filmed the pilot in LA. It had yeah. palm trees in the pilot, brought it back. And then CBC was like, we'll make it. Yeah. 
Anyways, yeah, uh, Google, this is so this is a real sponsored by my uncle podcast because it's the kind of stuff he talks about all the time. Haven't seen it podcast. Alenka hasn't seen many movies. Will likes to make drinks. Well, that's good. Me and Alex have seen a lot of movies and we also like to drink a lot. Put them together and you get the Haven't Seen It podcast. Each week, a special guest walks our host through a famous or iconic movie that Alenka has not seen. And Will whips up a special themed drink to go along with the episode. Oh, that's very fun. Okay, finally, a movie podcast for non-movie people. Rediscover your favorite movies through the ears of someone who knows nothing about it. This show is a part of the Brain Freeze Podcast Network. Check out this and other great shows wherever you get your podcasts or at brainfreezepodcasts.com. Um, yeah. Also, so yes. Yeah, so long story short, story is we liked How to with John Wilson. <laughs> yeah, How to with John Wilson is so good it makes me angry. It's very good. <laughs> I'd like to meet him. There's a part in the first episode where he goes, "Is it Punta Cana?" Yeah, yeah. Goes to Punta Cana, and it ends up being MTV Spring Break, and he says, "Which is a wall-to-wall nightmare," and <laughs> he's watching a concert. Polly D is like the overlord. Like the writing of that is so hilarious. Yeah. And oh no. The- by the and time he he's went to spinning, a, he, he's not facing yeah, the stage, and he gets told by MTV that he's in every shot and he's gonna have to move unless he faces the stage. And this is a guy that's just watching the audience, the, like literally turn with his back to the stage. <laughs> the, the the when I watched the first episode because I like I watched it when it came out. I'd heard like other people told me that I would like it, and I watched the beginning. I was like, this is interesting, but I, I don't quite get it yet. And then by the time I see, it, it's like, oh, he's at MTV Spring Break, and the way he talks about it, and the oh. what he shows you there, and like the bit with all the pillows and like all these yeah. things is like i'm like oh i fuck it this show's so good this show's it, so it, interesting it, it got me the first two yeah. minutes when he's trying to do small talk and he talks to that guy at wwe or whatever who says that oh he's, yeah uh, that, he catches, gonna... that he catches pedophiles and then yeah. the next scene is just them like in his house being like let's do this let's <laughs> anyways watch it it's very good i'm gonna watch the rest of it tonight probably oh please it's great yeah okay um, um uh what else have we t- watched together we both watched the crown you haven't watched yeah. industry i haven't watched industry. The, cr- the, the crown crown because we both watched cool. it crown season yeah i watched four season four so i watched the first four episodes of it i'm not done it um i i get why you love it because you breathlessly explained oh. how much you love the crown to me i love the crown uh, <laughs> uh, 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 in, a, in a park like Two weeks ago or oh, three yeah. weeks ago. I loved it. I just and, watched it two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I fully understand. Like watching it, I was like, oh my. Like this Because I'd watched most of season one and didn't really like it. And then um, yeah, I also watching this now. Didn't watch season one. <laughs> uh, watching season four, I was like, oh, I get it. And, I, and it made me want to watch it to be like, how did they get to this point? Because it is about this like. Like and it sound and and I and I want everyone to realize that I'm misusing this term, but it's kind of like about like generational trauma about like this person is hurt in this way and is going to hurt the next person who's Mm -hmm. going to hurt the next person who's going to hurt the next person. Oh fuck! I really get the like watching the end game of it. I really I really get what this show is actually about. I really recommend, mind you, this is the only way I watched it is watching it backwards. I really recommend season four because it's the most mainstream entertaining. And then season three gives you Charles's backstory in one of the best episodes of the series when he goes to Wales. Mm-hmm. And then and then two and one, I'm, I haven't finished yet. I, I just don't like it as much as three and four, even though it, it is there's no contest between the acting in one and two versus mm-hmm. the acting in three and four. Like Olivia Coleman is so good, but she is the queen is not it's not for her. Whereas it's like her third queen role. Yeah. Like she's always just playing queens. Whereas Claire Foy, there's no comparison. You watch 10 minutes of, of Claire Foy being the queen. You're like, excuse me. She's like the most glorious actor. Okay. Now, season four was just such, I think I was so overwhelmed by liking it because I thought it was going to be boring and yeah. it wasn't. And it still was heavily like involved the politics and involved the queen. I was su- I was surprised how how much it moved and, and i could kind of see that like by the time i got to episode four i could kind of see the tricks they were doing to make effectively what is like 99 percent of that show is people talking in ornate rooms yeah but I to know. make it to, to make to, to make it like 
visually interesting and 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 move and like very contemporary feeling um and like i can kind of see what the tricks they were doing and i was like but i didn't care i was like i thought it was really interesting like i didn't love it like i'm not, I'm not like i'm not like going bent over backwards for it but i'm like oh this is like way better than i thought it was going to be i think the politics are very interesting i mean obviously politics really are interesting. it's like, like it's a big turning point in uk politics but anyway <laughs> what i like about the politics about like the overall pov of the show which i find absolutely yeah. fascinating is that it is trying to show you like the human side of royalist of of royalty and it is a very like pro royal show but i bet you if you were to ask peter morgan if he was pro royal he would say he was not a royalist no no no. i I think it's an anti-royalist show yes i I do believe that's the point but i think it's it's counterintuitive i think i think it's very subtly it's trying to humanize these people and in doing so it's very subtly saying that you don't need like the royalty are a cause and are are a, are a like a wedge in the machine of UK politics that would that that like would be better off without it. Um, I think the best episode maybe one of the best episodes of the fourth season is when that guy that breaks into Buckingham Palace twice. That, have I seen that one yet? I don't think so. Oh, what what episode are you on? I'm 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 halfway through episode four. It might be the next episode. I won't say okay. it then. Let's just say okay. this guy breaks into Buckingham Palace twice. I love that setup. Yeah, That's a good yeah. setup. <laughs> and it's a real thing. And they like, they show who the real guy is at the end. <laughs> and they oh, really? explain what happened to him. Yeah. It's really good. That's, and really and I think it really, you know what it's doing? It's mm. saying that like the royalty is bullshit, but I think the guy has true affection for Queen Elizabeth, which I, I don't see how you can't if you're writing an entire show on a person like this. No, I, I think, okay, I think to tie stuff together i think similar with like mank of like they had like both the like both mank and and the crown care about people like they both care about like and how to with john wilson more than the other two care about people they care about like what people think and what people do and to and, and that everyone is like human with like emotions and desires i think they disagree with what people do for a living and in the machinations of society mm-hmm. of like, like disagrees with, like, I think the crown disagrees with the Royal family, but does care about those people. And I think that, I, I think that's yeah. what makes it interesting to me because you know, what's interesting. It's like everyone who's in royalty, um, gets born into this role and then they are, it's like, they're the people of Pompeii. It's like they're covered in this plaster. Cast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. every once in a while, a shred of humanity like peaks forward like the queen behaves when this guy breaks in or mm. um in season three there's like oh man there's an episode where in season three a small town in wales it, it was big news like it, it got destroyed by um was mining runoff yeah yeah and that's literally her like being like they're saying like you gotta go to wales man you got you got you to yeah. go to Wales. You got to talk to them. And she's like, but I'm a queen. I just go to church. Like I wouldn't go to the actual town. And then throughout the episode, she's like a robot slowly becoming sentient being like, <laughs> oh, maybe I will engage with people. And it's like something that's been literally like ripped out of her or buried in her. And what I like about season four is that it's so actively, um, it shows that behavior and action with a man so like she's a woman she is really good at being polite and hiding her emotions charles is not good at being polite or hiding his emotions no yeah and i think that's why it's more like active and more interesting and then my theory on the whole charles and diana thing which is fairly obvious if you watch the show i i personally think so sensitive charles is so sensitive and he Mm. gets beaten down to not be sensitive mm. and he, mm. i mean they, they make him say it to like his sister when his sister's telling him like what like reading him the right act about um being with camilla and he's like and he's like can you just be nice to me i'm not asking for you to tell me the truth can you just can you just say like i know yeah. how it feels and so that they beat that out of him and then when he sees diana who's like maybe one of the most ultra ultra sensitive human beings that's ever existed on this earth it makes him mm. hate her. He hates that she's sensitive. I mean, yeah, and then like then 
then starts this weird like passive aggressive abuse campaign on her um and i i think i think i think to me the most telling part of in the few episodes i watched is they have a shot of like the whole family like outside and like the the countryside and the voiceover is of like the conversation is happening is just like watch out for them like oh i know it. and then like peter morgan loves doing this like because he wrote the queen right with helen mirren yeah 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 he loves comparing diana to a buck that's his thing yeah she a buck and the royal family killed it that's like his whole that's his theory yeah. that's like that's how he feels and it's a beautiful metaphor and i love that he's using it twice but it is like the truth of the matter is that she helped kill a buck like the first weekend she met the family and this buck was like they wanted to kill it for a while or something like that yeah yeah um do i don't think the actor who plays diana is that good sorry no i i here's the thing is i understood why i understood why you like it of like it's this very small emotional story at super high stakes um it's like very that's very vitae like that's something you care about. I do care. Um, <laughs> and, and I think there, I think there's a lot of really good performances of like the uh, uh, whoever's playing Prince Charles is really great. Don't even get me started. And then, fucking Josh and then there's also there's also some real garbage performances, uh, like who whoever's playing Princess Diana I think is in her own way. And then um, like my Thatcher? girl from. No, Thatcher is a cartoon. Okay, yeah. Thatcher is a full cartoon from a different TV show. She gets, uh, she gets better. Walking into the scene. Yeah. She gets better. She gets better. I know. I know. I know. The first couple episodes, I was like, is she good? No, she's bad. And like, it's very confusing <laughs> because she is good, but she's also very bad. Like, the same thing with Diana, like, too. Sorry. The- Diana's doing, like, if you were to compare her to Diana... And if you were to compare Gillian Anderson to Thatcher, she says she looks and sounds like her, but it's very bad. Yeah, but like <laughs> she looks and sounds like she's her on SNL. Like she looks and sounds I like know. her. Like, like it, it, I'm gonna say this is like I like Gillian Anderson. I've seen her in a lot of stuff where I thought she did a really great job yeah, yeah. and is a really good actor and a really good performance. But like to do this like mask performance of Thatcher is like so silly in a in that. a very small emotional show. I don't know. How did she do that with her jaw? That's what I mean. It's like, it's like, I don't think she needed to do any of that. <laughs> yeah. like, and this is my thing. And I say this all the time and I get very annoyed with certain casting mm-hmm. things. Because someone like Claire Foy, I don't know what the UK star meter is. I'm sure she was doing quite well in the UK. But like made mm-hmm. her career. Put her in it. We didn't know who she was in North America. It made her career. Why not do that with Thatcher? You're going to sit there and tell me you can't find a woman who is Thatcher's age. Maybe Julian Anderson is Thatcher's age. She just looks remarkable. But who, like, resembles Margaret Thatcher more and is, like, a fucking powerhouse theater actor. You're going to tell me you couldn't find that. And you're going to tell me that that the audience wouldn't have loved that in The Crown. It already has a... a The audience is there for it. We don't need Julian Anderson. yeah, I, 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 want, I don't know anyone who was tuning in to see Gillian Anderson no. play Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> There's, it, it, people were already tuning in and then being like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, it's like kind of the more response like a hurdle to get over. Because um. <laughs> the biggest hurdle for the crown is that it is the crown. The biggest hurdle for the crown is that it is like, like you look at it and it's like, man, that's going to be dusty and slow. And so it's either people who, people who are watching who want to watch it. But like you're not, you're not going to get new viewership for the crown. But here's the deal about the fourth season. Like, I, I, they must have been sweating because like this is the hardest season to do so far because it's the one where everybody knows. Everybody knows those paparazzi pictures of Diana. Yeah. Everybody has, everyone who's watching the crown has a recollection of what all of this looks like now. And That's I true. Yeah. Did a very good job. It gets better. It gets really good. Um, just a real quick finishing on. Yeah. The man who plays Prince Charles, first of all, way too charming oh, yeah. for Prince Charles himself. Like I always have to like, I always have to make sure people understand. Like when I'm talking about Prince Charles, I'm talking about the actor, Josh O'Connor. I'm never talking about Prince Charles. The real Prince Charles is my enemy. I think he's one of the worst people. I'm sorry that he had abuse growing up. I'm sorry that his dad was mean to him. Welcome to the club. Um, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I am sorry. But I think that his response and the way he treated Diana is despicable. Mm. And if I was his kids, yikes. But anyways, Josh O'Connor does such a beautiful, nuanced performance. And he slowly mm. becomes king of the rats by the end of the fourth season because his posture gets more and more rat-like. And I just really like that. I think that's very special. <laughs> I think it's very good. In the third season, it's, he's almost unrecognizable in the fourth season. In the third Those season, are the same actors? 
Yeah, in the third season, That's, he's so tender and sweet. Yeah, I thought they. I thought it was a different actor. Was the same in the actor. He is this British guy who, oh baby boy, he is in a movie on Netflix called God's Own Country, that is basically like a, a an emotionally deep Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Alex, you should watch this movie. I'll check it out. I thought it was going to be boring. I couldn't sleep one night, and it said you would like this, and I was like, well, of course, Prince Charles is in it. I'm going to watch this. <laughs> it is so. It, like it stays with you. It's about a a guy who lives on the farm. He's an only child. He's in the, he must be like nineteen twenty. He's like a mute. He works mm-hmm. on his farm. He's emotionally shut down. Very much similar to the Heath Ledger character in Brokeback Mountain. But this makes mm-hmm. you understand why he is the way that he is. And then this guy from Bulgaria comes to help them on the farm, and then they fall in love. And this guy who who comes to help him on the farm is like he's not closeted i don't think or he doesn't behave in that way but this is all done through not talking (laughs) like he just emotionally gets him to open up and then stuff happens and it's very sad and it's also a very disgusting movie like it starts with like josh o'connor like barfing it kind of shows how disgusting it is to work on a farm you're selling me hard. Yeah, I think you'll really like it. But let's just say that I thought it was going to be boring. So I, I had insomnia and I tried watching it. And then like, I'm like, oh boy, I can't sleep. It's, too, <laughs> it's both romantic and disgusting. I've never been so like intrigued. And yeah, and Josh O'Connor, I do believe, I, you'll hear it at first. I really think he'll win an Academy Award one day. I I mean, if the, if, if the recap stuff I saw of him in season three and watching him even just change across the few episodes I saw of the crown that that guy is killer like that guy is He's killer. what are you gonna do every every so often and more often than not those goddamn British actors they're just better trained there's no comparison they're better trained they get I mean like like they get more reps in like yeah. they're doing like more interesting theater more often yeah like this is like he's 29 he's been in like a billion tv shows already you know this guy's uh Jesus. He's living how he's got to live and he's super cute. And uh, my pastime has just become seeing random pictures of him on Instagram and screenshotting them and keeping them as if it's my locker and I'm in the ninth grade. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do anything else because there's not that much. He hasn't been in that much that I can watch. (laughs) Anyways. um, Oh, I think we've been talking for like a good hour now. We talked for an hour. We did. We did. We did. We could do some quick, some quick thoughts. You didn't watch industry, eh? I didn't watch industry. And I kind of think we should save it. I think you'd have so much to say on that show. I'll check it out. I want. I want to watch it. I'm in, I'm in the middle too. Once again, it's one of those. It's a very HBO show. It's mm-hmm. it's basically if Wall Street was set in 2020 London, and the mm-hmm. instead of Charlie Sheen, it's a it's a black girl from New York, and um, it's. I would call it sexual, but not sexy. Like there's so much sex in it, but like. None of it you, is hot. Here's here's what have you have you seen um Black Monday? Yeah, I watched it episode Don and Gito. I was okay about it. I didn't finish it. Keep watching it. Keep watching yeah. it. It's one of the most it's is what you described about a comedy. And it's one of the most bonkers comedies that I have no idea how it was made. Okay. Uh it's, like, it's I think not the first season, season the first season just gets it got a third? Yeah. Oh, that's very exciting. Okay. The first season just kinda gets like each episode gets a little better, and the second season is just insane like the second season is like wild i just wonder if anybody's watching industry i would like it to get a second season i I would really i think it's like it takes a real interesting stance of like we like capitalism (laughs) okay uh i'll give it a go i'm sure i'm gonna have a lot to say yeah give it a go i think it's really good i think the actors are good maybe you'll find it sexy because the girls do sexy things but my major major critique of the show Major critique of the show is mm-hmm. uh, there's no way that any of the men could have penetrative sex because they all do so much coke. I don't understand how anyone's dick works in the show. <laughs> and this guy does like so much coke and there's like a part where he's about to have a threesome and I'm like, yeah, the fuck right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's my major critique of the show. Uh, I think I think that's I think that's your episode. Rep. Um, uh, want want to promo the the stuff we're doing for the live stream? Yeah. Okay. Is this is this show coming out soon? Right. It, it should come out Monday. Oh, this is the next show. Okay, guys. So we talk about yeah. Notting Hill too, but just know that's going to be in our upcoming Notting Hill episode. 
Anyways. Notting Hill's out today. What? It's out today? I, te- mess- I messaged you that's up. You didn't know I messaged me, Kalingo. I didn't promote it at all. I'll promote it tomorrow. Okay. Because okay. there's no point in promoting it now. Anyways. <laughs> Guys, listen to Notting Hill. Um, also, um, okay. So, this Saturday, I don't know what you're doing, Alex, but it's the 12 hours of sonar Christmas. I, I want to say it properly. Hold on. <laughs> 12, di- 12 days of sonar. 12 days of sonar, but it's a marathon on... Yeah, are you, are you, doing, a, are you doing a chunk of that marathon I'm reading. I'm reading what they've posted just on Facebook. It's called the 12 oh. days of sonar. <clears throat> We're launching our YouTube channel. So sonar is launching a YouTube channel. We do not have a YouTube channel. By the channel. way, we, we don't will have, not have it. Maybe we will one day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and sonar is our, is our podcasting network, if you didn't know. Uh... And Patreon with a huge celebration. Join us for 12 Days of Sonar, starting with 12-hour live stream marathon on Saturday, December 12th, 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. So I'm a part of that. I'm doing my top actors, my top actor crushes of 2020. What are you doing? Are you doing something, Kalingo? I'm doing something, but I don't. I haven't decided yet. Okay. I got to get that in. I have <laughs> to. Tomorrow I'm going to spend my day taking, <laughs> making pictures of Paul Meskel and Josh O'Connor. Um, <laughs> so I'll be doing that. I'm really excited. I think that'll be really fun. Um, and so some of the people that are going to be a part of that are, you got Chris Locke, you got Spooked, uh, you got Nostalgica, you got me, I'm at, wait, it's saying I'm watching a movie at nine, oh no, that's on December 21st. Yeah, we, we have, we have a show on December 21st. so confused. That's not a part of the 12 hour thing. These are the other things you can watch every night of the 12 days. And we are on December 21st at 9 p.m. I don't really know what we're doing yet, Alex. What, what I, we, I wanted to do the, the theater story thing where it's like, come, like, Matt, like, talk about uh, uh, weird things that's happened to you in a movie theater. Are we interviewing people? Seen. Are we going to get guests? I, w- I would like to do that. That sounds we'll like a really out. good time. I think we should definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I want people to like, I want people to like call in. Like I want like, Oh like yeah. Real... Let's, let's do call-ins. That's actually so fun. Oh my God, yeah. guys stick around. We're going to have people call in and we're going to do it like that. <laughs> I wish we could be in the same room. Um, anyways, so that's what's coming up. Yeah. So watch, I, I mean, honestly, I don't recommend watching Mank. Yeah, I don't. I don't really recommend watching Mank either. I recommend I watching The Crown. I recommend watching How to Do with John Wilson. I'm recommending it to everybody. Yeah, and and I think about maybe one third of the people I've recommended have actually watched it, and the people who have have been like, "Wow, it's really good." Yeah. And so if you if I've recommended if I'm recommended watching How to do with John Wilson to you, fuck you, watch it. Watch Callum it. Ratton, it, it's, a person I've told to watch five times Cal- and still has. Callum is known for our Mamma Mia episodes. We got to have him on again. Um, it, yeah. Also. Uh, if you don't, if you look at John, how to with John Wilson, you think that's not for me. It's not like Tim and Eric awesome show. It's way, no. it lets you in way yeah. more, even though it shares like it, a DNA strand of that. It'll, it'll, I yeah. think it's, it's much more relatable. No, it's, it's, it's very welcoming. It's a very easy watching. It's even easier watching the Nathan for you. Yes. Though. I also recommend Nathan for you, especially the episode. I, I, I rewatched it recently. It's beautiful. Yeah. The episode where he does like blackmail for people. Like if you want to lose weight, like here's. Oh, the- yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, guys, the- that was a great. Yeah. Enjoy this very serious episode. <laughs> it was pretty serious. I got really into it. Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, Manx is a serious movie.